Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello. Before we start this episode of the MMA Fan Podcast, we need to tell you about our sponsor, Free Train. Free Train do these fantastic running vests for you to run in, hit the bag in, and they keep your phone close to your chest. No more do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket when you run or at an awkward angle on your arm. You can keep it on your chest with easy access to your phone whenever you go training. And uh, what can the people do, Stu, if they want to get a vest? Simple. Head over to www.freetrain.com. Have a look. See what you like. And when you pop it in the basket, just before you check out, pop in the code MMAFAN and save yourself 10%. I mean... Don't ever let it be said we don't spoil you here on this podcast. www.freetrain.com. Go check them out. Excellent stuff. Right, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Blake Harrison. I'm Stu Whiffin. How you doing today, Blake? Very good, mate. Very good. I got up early and had a workout. Look at me. So amazing. I mean, you've already told me this before we press record <laughs> because you wanted now some kind of like listeners. affirmation for this 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 early morning. I mean, I, mean, I didn't even tell you that I had a, I had a run this morning. It was a very foggy run this morning, but uh, didn't make a big deal about it. Didn't want any kind of pat on the back. But it was the first thing you said when the Zoom chat opened, <laughs> and it's the first thing you've said when we press record. Well I done, got, mate. I, I, thank you, thank you, and I'm sure our listeners are saying well done as well. I got up at six a.m. And I had yeah. a workout before taking the kids to school. I'm proud of myself. You know, yeah. I've achieved something today. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm really proud. Why, why, what, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's a great start to the day. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Today's episode. It's a good one. Uh, don't do that. No, again. that's no. I can't no, go there. No, that, that was last again. week's episode. I, I genuinely meant this is a good one, like um, a good one. <clears throat> I'm being hounded for my uh, my John Gooden joke, and uh, only to be eclipsed by uh, you. You done some howlers. Was it you that was dishing How out the hat? How dare you! I was on fire. <laughs> I was on fire. <laughs> I thought it was mixed reviews, to be honest. I can't even remember which jokes we're talking about now. But uh... it was close. It was no. your close gag. No, that was Pip. What that was, was it? Pip. That was Pip's close but no Dakar. 
That's uh, what... <laughs> that was which I, I I loved it. I thought I was banging for it. I'm proper up there with the dad jokes, and uh, you know, I'm basically Phil Dumphrey from Modern Family is my hero. So any terrible joke, I am all of all for it. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. So let's get on to this week's episode. This okay. week's episode or this episode um, is with the brilliant Ben Shepherd, and we are looking at the absolutely amazing fight uh from i think back in 2016 it was at ufc 206 mm-hmm. uh which was the, the the main fight on that card was holloway versus pettis but that is not the fight we are looking at we're looking at a fight that wasn't even the co-main event that night i think we are looking at cub swanson versus the korean superboy Duho Choi. And oh my God, it is one of my favorite fights of all time. It, it, it has everything. If you haven't seen Cub Swanson versus Du Ho Choi, go back and find it. it I, I looked up on the, um, on the BT Sport app where they've got all the UFC coverage at the moment. You can go back to try and find some old cards. And if you go to 206 and you find uh, the 206 card, you can fast forward that and get to the, uh, the Cub Swanson do Ho Choi fight, or it is special. And if that hasn't, we're sort of going to find it. By the time you uh, get to the end of this episode, there's three men absolutely losing their minds over this fight. So you're, once you finish, go and do what Blake said. Go and watch it because I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's such... Doesn't, it just doesn't come off the gas right from the first bell. It's just an absolute... It's scraptastic. It really, really is. Um, should we just get on with the episode and we'll uh, we'll jump back on at the end? Let's do it. Ben, how's it going? <laughs> hey, good. Blake, Stu, nice to see you both. How are we All doing? Good. Very, very All good, good, mate. So, um, yeah, I mean, the way we normally start this is by asking our guests what... Uh, what was their idea of, of MMA, mixed martial arts, um, before watching the fight? Because I'm assuming you hadn't seen too much in the past. I've, I've watched bits here and there. And obviously when uh, Conor McGregor was making all those headlines, I saw a fair bit of his stuff. And um, what's his name? Mm-hmm. Bisping. Yes, yeah. A few Mark years Bisping, back yeah. that was, wasn't it? So when I was at university, I left university in 1997. So in the mid-90s, a few of my mates that were professional rugby players, because we were at University of Birmingham, they started watching a fair bit of MMA uh, and were quite sort of taken with it and the fact that you had grapplers and strikers and bits and pieces like that. And I remember watching a bit of it, and I really love my boxing. I'm a huge boxing enthusiast. I'll always watch the boxing when it's on. So the idea of sort of... No holds barred fighting seemed quite exciting, so I've dipped in and I've dipped in and out over the years, um, and I've got some friends that are very passionate about it, like you, Blake. Uh, I was speaking to Lee Mac about it the other day, and a couple of others, and they love their MMA. And every now and again, I'll come to it and I'll watch a little bit, and then for one reason or another, I kind of. It jars with me a little bit. Some of the excessive violence, uh, like the end of this fight. I mean, what an incredible fight, by the way. I know we're going to come on to it. But the end of this fight, that's the bit that I I struggle with a little bit. You know, before the ref can jump in and stop them being clobbered to bits on the floor. I mean, when they can't defend themselves. 
Um, but from a, an athletic perspective, from a sort of a, the technician's execution of skill and ability, it's just mind blowing. It's like, it's like watching a video game in times at times, isn't it? And trying to, trying to understand that, you know, I like to keep myself fit and I like to do a lot of training and I've done some boxing and I had about as well, but trying to understand the level of their knowledge and skill to be able to do all the different elements. It, that's, that's what I really attracted to, just what extraordinary spe- specimens they are. Uh, just to touch on something you said there about you, you, you'd boxed a bit and, and, and you'd had a bat. Mm. Was that something that was offered to you when you was like a child to like go and toughen up and, and look after yourself, go and join a boxing club? Or was that something just as the athlete in you wanted to try something new as an older man? Yeah. It's exactly that, Stu. I would have loved to have boxed as a kid, but it just wasn't really what my family did. We, I grew up on the edge of East London and we played, my family were all rugby players. Um, so it was football and rugby um, throughout my upbringing. It just boxing and fighting and any of that sort of stuff. Did a bit of karate, but that was a bit, um, that was a bit average. Uh, I seem to remember just going up and down a, a village hall, pointlessly kicking things out the air, I think it was. Didn't get to kick anyone. That was frustrating. Uh, I would have loved to box. So it was when I when I sort of started working in telly. So I ended up doing it for sport relief. So I did the uh, sport relief bouts, and I absolutely loved it. And I'd started boxing anyway. I'd started going to boxing clubs, and I fell in love with training in a boxing gym, specifically as well. Just how down to earth and real it was. No frills. Um, you know, the smell was awful. <laughs> the damp was awful. The sweat was awful. But the people were just the, the absolutely. Uh, amazing and welcoming and, and it didn't matter who you were, where you're from. Um, and I loved that. And you're absolutely right. It was about testing myself physically. That's what I really wanted to try, which is how I was drawn and to it. You said physically there. I, just whenever we ask um, fighters on, we always talk about that moment before they come out and make the walk and the ring walk and then obviously the bell rings. Now, obviously, Ben, you know, you, you seem like a confident person whenever I watch you on the TV and stuff like that, and you've, you've played in other sports at, you know, decent levels. Um, mm. How was you with controlling the mental side of, of what was about to happen when you got in the ring and then all of a sudden it is just you, the ref, and someone that wants to take your head off? I, it, it, well, I mean, the, the, the other thing that's, that's the mental challenge was by far the toughest because... Um, all my life, like I think sort of probably 98% of the population, if trouble starts brewing, you move away from it. You walk away, right? You get away. It's like, don't get involved. My parents have always said, if anything's happening, make sure you take yourself out of that situation. And you're suddenly in a, in a position whereby, and I really struggled with this in sparring initially as well, apologising to the opponent because I kept hitting them. <laughs> because it was, you know, it's that I was just too polite. I was just like, oh, God, I'm really sorry. Was that a bit hard? You know, and it's, it only takes a couple of them clocking you back a couple of times. So you think, OK, well, I get it now. You can just clump each other. But it was, you know, you have to combat that instinct that I'd been, that had been groomed into me by my parents and my peers and my teachers for years, whereby as the, the fight is escalating, you go towards it rather than move away from it. So what I was finding was initially when I was sparring, if I'm fighting, if I was sparring with somebody, it would happen on a couple of occasions, somebody who was better than me and stronger than me when I first started. Really, what you want to do is get closer to them. I mean, it's not MMA, so you're not grappling, so that's fine. Because if you get closer to them, you're getting out of range because it's much harder than to get you. But I was sort of 
walking away. I was just keeping myself at perfect range for them to keep <laughs> smashing me in the face. And it was, and it's that, it was that counterintuitive uh, feeling of, no, I've got to go towards this. I've got to go towards the danger. I've got to take myself forward. I've got to confront that. And from a mental perspective, that was an incredible experience, putting myself in that sort of environment and knowing that I had to do that. I mean, you know, I'm a very, as Blake will tell you, I'm a very competitive person and I really, when I do something, I want to do it wholeheartedly. I've got no concerns about looking an idiot because I've got no experience. You know, football is a great example of that. I'd rather run around and have an amazing time than worry about what people think about how good I am at football or not. Or not. It's not about that. It's just all about enthusiasm and endeavour. And it was similar with the boxing. I just wanted to soak up every experience. So the one thing that I did do that was really important to me, because there was certain things that I couldn't control. I couldn't control uh, how good my opponent was. I had no control about his experience. I was fighting Lamar. Uh, not, not the leading of Kajagoogoo, <laughs> Lamar. I was, I was fighting Lamar. Uh, who I knew very well, actually, and, and sort of, you know, had interviewed many times over the years. So, but I couldn't control anything about how fit he was, his boxing experience, and all those things. The only thing I could control was how fit I was and how much I wanted it. And I knew that I would undoubtedly want it more than him and I would be fitter than him because I wouldn't leave anything to chance because they were the things I could control. So interestingly, and I think it's one of the only times in my life, and I think professionally as well, that when the night came for the fight itself, even though it was at BBC and it was in front of cameras and stuff, I was really calm because I knew that I had literally done everything I possibly could. There was nothing I hadn't done. I hadn't, I hadn't sort of backed out of a training session. I hadn't done the run first thing in the morning. I hadn't looked after, not looked after my diet because I fancied a little bit of something. I was really, I took it really, really seriously, like really seriously, because I wanted that experience. It's a little bit like us with soccer Ray Blake, isn't mm. it? You want the experience, I know we're playing at it, but you want the experience of feeling like a professional athlete. If I could have done anything in my life, it would have been a professional athlete. Whatever, I don't know what the sport was. That was, I just love it. So to get that chance, I didn't want to leave anything out there. I didn't want anything to come to chance. So if, if he was a better boxer than me, that's fine. I could deal with that. Um, as it turns out, he wasn't. And I smashed him. <laughs> <laughs> But it was, it was the most brilliant, most brilliant, visceral experience of my life. It's one I think about still to this day. And if I could take myself back there and do it again, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I absolutely, and I loved how intense it was. I just loved everything about it. The smell, my eyesight seemed completely alert. My senses were just on fire. Everything about the experience. The one thing I couldn't control at all was time, you know, it was, they were, I think we did three two-minute rounds and the time, it's just, I'd love to go back and try and relive it again. Because you want in your head, you want to try and box like a proper boxer. And of course, we were just throwing windmills at each other. It's like handbags outside <laughs> the nightclub in Romford on a Friday night. Um, but it was just the most remarkable experience. And then I didn't stop boxing for a long time after that. I never had another bout, but I didn't stop boxing because I just, I thrived in that environment. I really felt like I was pushing myself out of my comfort zone, making myself confront certain restrictions that had been put on me because, you know, we grow up in a life whereby, you know, you are polite to people, you respect people, you don't go towards danger and you don't find confrontation. And it wasn't suddenly like I was walking along the street trying to offer people out or anything like that. It's just I wanted to be in an environment 
I wanted to be in an environment where I had to test myself. I've got a great image um, of you just wandering down the street and people being like, Ben Shepard just asked me for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Some random bloke's like, what the, just asked me for a, for a fight. Yeah, yeah. I saw Ben Shepard in Romford High Street wearing boxing gloves, just randomly starting on people. <laughs> he's got some chalk and he just draw a ring in the road. Like, he's, he's mental. Ben Shepard's mad. I mean, you talk about the complexities of, like, wanting to get in closer, um, you know, to get out of range, but you can't help but, you know, want to get on the back foot jab and move away from, from that, you know, and that's, a, a, you know, a, a, a totally agree, that's a natural way to, to, to approach these things. Mm. So just to move it now back onto MMA, not only are you just, mm. as you said, your vision was like completely on the money and you've just got these two hands to worry about. When they get in the octagon, their legs are being kicked, their head's being kicked, their body's being kicked, they're being elbowed, they're being kneed, and then that's without even worrying about being taken down. And so it's just yeah. so many more elements to kind of process. Yeah. And and I think this fight demonstrates so many of them elements. And, uh, and, and yeah, Blake, do you want to uh, introduce the listeners the fight that we're going to uh, talk about? Uh, yeah, well, we've got uh, Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi. Uh, I think it was UFC 207. I know it took place in Toronto, and you can really hear the crowd at points. It really, what we've had, I, I mean, I don't know, because if you're watching a lot of boxing at the moment, Ben, I don't know if you're having a similar thing, but with the UFC uh, and MMA in general, the majority of the fights over the last year or so have been to no crowd, which has mm. been fascinating in, in some yeah. uh, in some ways. Like hearing the fight, hearing the corner, hearing the, corner, yeah. hearing the fighters talk to each other has been pretty special at times. But also, one of the amazing things that's happened is uh, in a couple of incidents we've heard fighters hear the the commentary, and that has aided them in getting a victory. There's one or two of them wow. that have thanked one of the commentators who's also an ex-champion because he said, I overheard him talking about what he was doing with the wrestling. And I, so I, I slightly changed my approach to that. And the commentator was, had to sort of apologize, but he said, I can't do anything yeah. about it. He said, my mind's a cheat code. What can I do? <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, but so I think, it, I think it was 207. I'm not hundred percent sure. But I think it was 207. And uh, yeah. Oh my God. What an absolutely fantastic. It's one of, if not my favorite fights because it's got both the determination and that kind of the durability of some of the other fights we've done Stu like the McDonald Lawler fights uh, but also it's got just such technique that's with the featherweights and all that you've got the, the speed the technique of you know what we had in maybe the Adesanya Gastelum fight as well I mean it just has absolutely everything and I think also until maybe the last 30 seconds of the third round, that fight is up for grabs. 100%. I really yeah. think it's flowing back and forth and it's up for grabs until the last 30 seconds. And that to me is just so incredible. And I, I got goosebumps to see, thinking about it now because I only watched it earlier today to remind myself how brilliant it was. And I was like, this is so fucking incredible. We're talking spinning back fists. There's a cartwheel kick at one point. He, he, he hits him with say, a cartwheel kick. It's like I was watching Street Fighter. I was like, what buttons has he just pressed? <laughs> There's a teenager somewhere controlling him when he did a cartwheel kick. Oh, it, it, so it's, it's, just, it's just amazing. But Ben, you, I think you mentioned to me that you watched it with your sons. Is that right? Yeah. So how was that? Yeah. As, and how, how old are your boys? And how was that as an experience watching it 
with the family? And, and was there any moments where you went, oh, should I be letting my, my kids watch? Because I have that. I mean, my kids are a bit younger and I will be oh, watching yeah. the UFC or Bellator. My kids are seven and four and uh, mm. they will watch some bits and I don't mind them watching some bits, but then there's some points in the fight where I have to distract them with something or pause it or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm teaching my daughter a little bit of jujitsu at the moment, just, just minor stuff because nice. I only know a little bit myself. Um, so I was teaching her a little bit. So when there's a a grappling exchange i'm trying to pause it and go see this you know they're, they're trying to do that and oh, they're trying to go in for the choke there and she's fighting the hands and all that kind of stuff which uh I, I, is always fun and is, is interesting to to show her that stuff but how was it for you watching it with your boys maybe not expect it knowing what to expect i so i uh, we we like watching boxing together and we've watched some pretty big boxing matches uh boxing um contests and my my eldest Sam is nearly sixteen, and my youngest is fourteen. So they're sort of you know, they're right in the sweet spot where their mates are talking about this sort of thing. And uh, I said I was doing the podcast, and uh, I said I've got to watch this fight. Do you want to watch it with me? And they were like, Yeah, 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 definitely. And of course, as soon as it starts, you're gripped. I mean, it was, it is an extraordinary fight, like an extraordinary fight, in so many ways. Like, not I've not seen a, an MMA fight like that before. UFC, I've seen. I mean, it just, it, it, it was the perfect fight to show someone who's sort of a little bit um, uh, sort of, disparaging is not the right word. I don't know what it is. A little bit nervous about getting into it because there was, I mean, like I said, the, the, the technique, the range of skills that were on show, that Korean fighter was, it was like watching, it was a little bit like watching Rocky taking on even Drago, right? Because you've got the Rocky character, who's a bit of a maverick, who's a bit sort of all over, then throwing punches everywhere. And they've got even Drago, who is just a machine, yeah. and you can punch him, and he's just going to keep coming at you. So the the technique of the Korean fighter, it was so, I could see it, and I could hear the, the commentators talking about it, and we were talking about that with the boys, with the kids, and it swung both ways as well that fight. And I don't know what that that Korean lad's chin was made of. I can't believe he would still stood. Uh, and the other one, the other, other fella, uh, cop was all flair and skill and, you know, throwing punches from all over the show. And the boys really enjoyed it. But there was, there is a moment every now and again where it's just so brutally graphic. Yeah. And, and that's the bit that I still, but, but the, the great thing is, you know, they're teenagers, so we can talk about that and say, how do you feel about that? And my eldest, who's nearly 15, is a bit calmer than the other one, although he's enormous. He's sort of like, yeah, I'm not really sure. I quite like all that. And the, and the 14 year old's like, oh, no, it's brilliant, Dad. Look, it's brilliant. Look, he's getting stuck in it because that's what the little one wants to do to his big brother all the time. I think if I could go back and train as a teenager or a young mid 20s with a, not a middle aged man's back, I would absolutely love to train in MMA. Because oh, yeah. the idea of being able to grapple, that sort of strength, because me and my mates would do it. I play a lot of rugby when there's, there's a lot more of that now. And I think that that's such a sort of a powerful part of your strength and fitness but then they add in oh, what i can't do is i i can barely touch my toes let alone do a spinning cartwheel <laughs> kick or high kick or whatever you know i literally am i'd be like a giraffe on ice trying to throw any sort of kick it'd be awful um but it's great and i think much like you and your daughter though blake i really enjoy i'm really getting enjoying sharing these moments these sporting moments with yeah. my two and sharing that passion uh and and talking through because i want them to aspire to be fit and strong and healthy and athletic and we can talk about I mean they're three five minute rounds I mean five minutes is forever like it is forever 
it's just miraculous that they have that strength and that well of fitness to go to, to keep punching, to keep kicking, to keep grappling, to keep their defence up. Because as soon as they stop, the opening's there, one of them will pounce on the other I one. I think it was in the third round when they were clinching that I think it was Cub actually, you, the, the commentator said he's, he's just looked up at the clock because he must have just been thinking, come on, like this, this round yes. is never ending. And I mean, we, we should talk about the second round because for me that was just ridiculous. It was people talk about the, yeah. the Hagler Hearns and these incredible rounds of just brutality of like, He's been knocked out. No, he's been knocked out. And it was just like, as you said, it was anyone's fight, Blake. Yeah, I mean, before we get into that, just say it was UFC 206, the Holloway uh, Pettis fight. So for anyone anyone that wants to quickly pause this and check out the fight, uh, it was UFC 206. And, it uh, won't be a quick pause because you're going to be watching the whole thing. You won't be able to stop. Oh, man, it's so good. But, um, yeah, I mean, round, round one I gave to Choi. I thought Choi just landed with the bigger strikes. And, I mean, what was amazing, because at first I, f- I forgot that it was in Toronto. I thought it was in America. And they were chanting, chanting, do ho Choi. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like, why? Because Cubs, Cubs loved in yeah. America. I mean, there's no, you get no prizes to guess where he comes from. He's got SoCal tattooed <laughs> on his chest and a bunch of palm trees on his stomach. Um, so, I mean, I thought I was surprised. Then I, then I overheard him say, oh, it's Toronto. I was like, oh, yeah, of course. So that's fine. But And also in round one, one thing that I just thought, one of the other things I love about the sport and the imagination and the creativity that comes with MMA and the types of striking of, of, of people like Cub Swanson, who I've just always been a massive fan of, is he was getting clinched up against the fence. And I don't know if you noticed, he was heel-kicking Duho Choi's calf. <laughs> it was... Yeah. I've never seen it before. And I forgot that. I was like, this is so weird. He's wrapping his leg around him and heel-kicking his calf. Just as, and I mean, something like that is to 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 an athlete. To me, it would be like, "Ow, that really fucking hurts." But to an <laughs> athlete, it's probably just a, a minor irritation. But I suppose he's still looking active in front of the judges, even though he's not actually in control of the position, stuff like that. And I just, I love the imagination of some fighters just going, "Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick you in the calf of my heel from the clinch up against the fence." Um, and then, as you say, round two is when. Really, all hell breaks. Cub Cub seems to have really woken up, and yeah. just absolutely goes for him in round two. And that's when we get that cartwheel kick, and Cub looks like he's having fun because he lands that cartwheel kick, stops and pokes his tongue out and starts laughing. And then he does like a kind of like wavy thing with the right hand and throws out a jab with the left hand. He's like, oh, he's feeling himself. <laughs> he's really feeling himself. And at that point, I'm sitting with the boys going. See, I don't like all that stuff. Oh, really? Because I mean, for me, and I know he's playing to the crowd, but to me, all that flash stuff, that's when I think, right, come on then, Joy. Let's do a nice combination and put him on his ass. Just get him to take... Because, I mean, clearly, that's when he's at his best, though, because I think you, you described it brilliantly. It's the creativity yeah. of what he was doing and where he was doing it from. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was like, it was like watching two brothers practising some crazy fighting in the basement. Mm. And trying something with it, but he was doing it on that stage. Yeah. So, sort of, you know, there's the admiration for the audacity, but also, you know, the 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 respect, the professional sportsman in them that kind of feels like, well, that feels a bit disrespectful that he was doing the oh, here's this hand, and then, but fair play to him, it worked at that stage, it worked. So then Choi gets back into it though, doesn't he? And that, you know, because he just he was just rigorous with his technique. None of it was 
out the window. None of it was cut. It was just straight down the line. I thought that the commentators, I was a bit annoyed by the commentators in the first round because I think that I thought that they were so on Cup Swanson's side. They were ignoring how, um, how effective the Korean lad was because it was... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Just, you know, it was, he, they made it sound a bit boring, but it was just so... It was really well measured as well. It was like, it was precise, yeah, like, hands. It was Exactly that. It was, it was surgical, wasn't it? It was really impressive. And they were, he kept talking about, is it Joe yeah. Rogan? Was it Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan, was was him, yeah. He kept talking about Cub going from here and going from there, and this is what he does, and it's all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, for me, I was watching it thinking, he's lost by the Rasmataz of Cub Swanson when actually this watching this fighter was really impressive, who wasn't losing. And then that second round was a different thing. How did he not get knocked over? I, like, I genuinely was watching him take those punches, the Korean lad, and I said, his chin's got to be made of yeah. granite. It was, I mean, how do you train for that? He, the punches and the kicks he was taking, and he wasn't buckling, he, I mean, he was stumbling a little bit, but he barely got knocked over till right till the very, very Because it wasn't just standing in front of each other and striking. It was... The, the thing with Swanson was, I don't think he threw hardly any jabs like Cub. I think mm. as soon as, like... Like, as I say, Choi was being quite measured and was throwing jabs and was throwing straight rights. But Cub would just do this, like, run across the octagon, just throwing. And so he was on the back foot, running backwards and being clumped and still didn't go over. And... You try yeah. running back was being punched in the face by a UFC professional. That's that's no easy thing to stay on your feet with. Um, but yeah, and I th- and especially not when it is landing. Also, the kicks, the spinning back fists, and stuff like that as well that have just got that extra pop on them. Mm. You're like, yeah. Jesus, his chin. But it's that, that, that point though. It's it's that. What was interesting, and this is what I I was appreciating more and more as the fight went on, was that no matter what angle or direction Cub Swanson was in. He found a way to to throw out some sort of ammunition of some sort. So he would suddenly have his back to join. It's it suddenly be turning around and hitting with the spinning back fist or whatever. Suddenly he was throwing a kick, or suddenly he turned a cartwheel into a kick. 
you know, it was the creativity of that, the ingenious audacity of it was extraordinary to what, I mean, it genuinely was like he was being controlled by a PlayStation controller by a teenager somewhere in their bedroom. It was miraculous, genuinely miraculous watching that. Cause the fight, I think the fights I've seen in the past have all been a bit more strikey, a few kicks here and there and they end up grappling and they're rolling around on the floor. And I, I, I've not really done that grappling, but you can see how draining that is and how, you know, you're getting into the positions. That's what you're talking about, Blake. How sort of crucial that can be to sort of getting someone to tap out. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was extraordinary. It was like watching a film, a movie or a video game. And one of the things in the third round that I thought was, was, was really interesting was just how good Cub Swanson is at kicking off the front leg. Like, to throw them big mm. kicks from the back legs a lot easier than to throw off the left. And he would literally just throw him in succession as well. But what I think that left him open to, which I thought was choice, shot of choice, was an overhand right. He threw some incredible yeah. overhand rights that, that they were the ones that, 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 that really troubled Cub, I thought. And then also, when... Cub was knackered at the start of the third as well. You could really massively. tell he was very tired. And big, what I also love as well, you know I'm a big fan of this, Stu, Cub bowed to him at the start yeah. of the third. And I'm such yeah. a big... I just love that. Again, again I, get, I get full frigging Danny LaRusso karate kid <laughs> vibes, and I'm like, oh, I love it. Give him a bow, and then get on with like, I just love that. I thought it was so good. Full Danny LaRue mother goose vibes. That's <laughs> <a different> <laughs> <laughs> Bowing to the genie. No, you're right. And that's when I thought, because that was at the end of the second round where Cub had been a little bit audacious, a little yeah. bit flash. And it was kind of like, by that point, they got to the third round. It was like, okay, this boy's, this boy's taken everything I've got. He's still standing. Yeah. He's still ready to go. You know, hats off to him. He's a, he's a real And it's really weird because you've just said this boy. Blake said this lad. And Joe Rogan said this kid. Choi looks like a child. He... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. But I he's 25. 25 during that fight. My year old was like, Daddy can't be much older than me. Has he been through puberty yet? I mean, I... <laughs> It was, you're absolutely right. He looks so young. Yeah. Yeah. I think for MMA to be at that level at that age, I think that is still relatively young. I think it's getting younger yeah. and younger as we're going on now because people are becoming more, they're training earlier in, in, in all disciplines and as a mixed martial artist rather than training as a kickboxer or a wrestler and then transitioning over. There's a lot more right. people actually now training as mixed martial artists from an early age. Uh, Paddy Pimblett, I think, is, is a good example of that. I know he did a lot of jiu-jitsu, but he seemed to be training from a very early age as a teenager for mixed martial arts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, he's he was something special. His chin was just incredible. And then I think at the start of the third, as I said earlier, Cub looks knackered and Choi's all over him. And you think, well, I've got this 1-1 and this could go any way. And then it's from the middle of round three where Cub really starts to take over for me. And it was, I think, I, I, try, I can't remember what strike landed. I think he went for another cartwheel kick that didn't quite land. But the hip toss, yeah. which is something you don't see much in yeah. MMA. Like, you get trips, you get takedowns, you get that. But a proper, like, judo-style hip toss, almost like what you'd get in, like, old-fashioned WWF yeah. uh, wrestling matches yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and that was pretty special. And the crowd just roared yeah. at all of those That's moments, cool. which was amazing. And the, just that, that kind of versatility at that point, to be so exhausted and then be throwing, and still trying to mix it up and trying to kind of catch the judges' eye. And, yeah, and I think then that led to the, 
the spinning back fist, which for me kind of definitely won in that fight. That spinning back fist and then really? just unloaded, didn't he, at the end? And I just thought, I think Cubs nicked that. Yeah, well, it was the, it was I, the, I think it was the last it 30 was the seconds. Entire back yeah. catalogue, wasn't it? You kind of got the impression that because he got pushed so hard, he went to every single crazy, ridiculous, audacious, maverick move he's ever had in the back catalogue that he's used in training, maybe he's used in fights before. Everything came, like a whole box of tricks was used and that's what he needed to win the fight. Am I right in saying, because as you know, I'm not uh, an aficionado, but but he was the favourite. Cub Swanson was the favourite going into that. Well, I I can't remember what kind of streak Du Ho Choi was on, but he was ranked 11th, Cub was ranked 4th, both of which have kind of fallen off since that fight, really. Have they? Uh, mm. Well, yeah, I mean, we were just discussing this before you came on the call, Ben. We, we, we were chatting about, like, where is Du Ho Choi now? Because he, he lost to a guy called Jeremy Stevens, who now is kind of... You know, he got into a bit of controversial uh, situation the other night because he was supposed to be the co-main event of a fight on Saturday night, Jeremy Stevens. And in the face-off, the guy he was fighting had his hands behind his back, very relaxed. And in the face-off, they got very close to each other and Jeremy Stevens shoved him incredibly hard and the guy suffered a form of whiplash and the fight had to be cancelled. So it was very bizarre. So he's put his hands behind it so he can't control his fall or anything like that. He's literally got... well, he launched across He didn't actually land the... over. He just... He did, yeah, he, he kind of flew backwards but didn't actually go over. He, he stayed standing up, but I think they're saying that his neck kind of whipped right back because... And there's been a bit of a weird thing because MMA fan base in general can be quite brutal. So there's been a lot of like, oh, well, if you got pushed and couldn't make the fight, how would you have done in the fight? Blah, blah, blah. But then there's other people out there going, well, hang on a minute if you're not ready for that kind oh of level goodness. of yeah. impact that someone who's a strong bloke, especially after doing the weight cut as well, the weight cuts in MMA are far more brutal than the weight cuts in boxing. I mean, really? yeah, well, again, just referencing Paddy Pimblett, who we had on the show a, a while back, he was talking about cutting 18 pounds overnight. It's all water weight. They diet down and then dehydrate themselves to dangerous levels to make the weight for fights. It's, it's probably one of the worst things about the sport of MMA. Mm. And yeah. um, it comes, I think, more from wrestling. Obviously not pro wrestling, but the proper kind of Olympic level uh, amateur wrestling stuff where they, to get an advantage in the size, they, they cut loads of water weight up to the weigh-ins and then they rehydrate so that they're as big yeah. as possible and they're fighting a guy hopefully smaller than them that can't sure. cut weight like they do. Um but obviously, when someone's done that, they've depleted. They're not quite ready for it, and they get a huge shove that is going to is going to affect them. And it, it unfortunately did affect him, and the fight had to be cancelled. But Duho Choi lost to him, and then to a guy called Charles Jordan, who had another excellent fight recently. But again, I think he's unranked at the moment. So you kind of thinking, well, what's going on? And Swanson's been around a long time. Yeah, now. he's to, uh, to give right. that some sort of context in in regards to coming into this fight. Cub Swanson was a bit of a fan favourite. He'd he'd, he'd he'd fought in a lot of big fights, and I think this was. Am I right in saying, Blake? Probably the first big fight that Choi obviously. Was, it, it was his biggest fight at that point. Definitely. definitely. And, and then obviously he took full advantage at that moment and, and stamped himself on the, you know, or, or, that, that was the, the fight that everyone was talking about, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. I mean, with, oh, well, did it go, am I saying, was it fight of the year? It got, uh, looking at uh, the sum of it, it was nominated fight of the year? Or? It definitely would have been nominated fight of the year. Whether it did win fight of the year or not, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'd have to look it up. But 
he uh it, it definitely would have been nominated fight of the year for sure i'm just trying to think what else was in that that year where were we it was uh that was 2016 so i can't remember to be fair could that have been a robbie lawler year it could have been that might have been a lawler mcdonald's in 2016 which is a very different fight from a technical standpoint but for in terms of brutality yeah. durability and just, oh, these two guys, a back and forth moment or two. I mean, I prefer this fight. I think this is a better fight. But that fight as well was five rounds were, and was for the belt. Because that's the thing with MMA. It's a three-round fight unless you are yes. the main event. It's a five-round. Or if it's for the belt, you're a five-round. So that's... Five rounds? Yeah, five-minute five, five rounds. Minutes. Yeah. There's a, just a, another level of just... Craziness. I mean, hey. and if you're really interested, Ben, I did. I did this with Lee because we sent Lee said he Lee Mac. He said he said he wanted a short fight, so I sent him two heavyweights, <laughs> and it was over in four minutes. Um, uh, and but I've sent him this the fight I sent you as well because he said, oh well, maybe I would be interested in something else. And if you're interested, I can send you a link to what I think is possibly even better than this. But it's a five round fight, and it is oh, it's something special. Oh, no, definitely send it. I'll have a look for sure. So after seeing this this scrap, Ben, do you think then sort of moving forwards, if you see that, because we, we've noticed that the, the UFC is obviously the, the premiership, but, the, the, you know, the, 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 the organisation under that is called Bellator, and I've now, they've just added mm. that onto the BBC iPlayer. You can watch them for free on the iPlayer now. Um, if you start to kind of pick up that there's some big fights, are you going to be sort of tempted to, to get stuck in there? Yeah. And definitely, I think what I really like as well, it's a shame that you say that these two boys have sort of drifted away a bit, because what I really like is finding a fighter and then following that fighter and seeing how they're doing. And I think that that's, you know, when you see a fighter that you really like their style as well, and you can see them sort of how their career progresses. That's definitely something I will keep an eye on. And, you know, undoubtedly, it's, 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 it's a big business, isn't it? I mean, it's having a huge impact on the world of boxing as well, the whole uh, UFC thing. Um, and I, you know, undoubtedly, I think it's about sort of, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, I think the thing that I don't like is the, the absolute graphic brutality at the end of rounds and moments when the person's on the floor and the ref can't get in the way, you know, and that, you know, I understand that's the way it's always been. Uh, the ref can't, doesn't get there in time to stop someone getting absolutely drilled, which happens at the end of this fight, um, till the, the bell goes, doesn't it? Mm. And Cub Swanson jumps on him and he just starts hammering his face and, and, and look, I know that Cub Swanson's got absolutely very little left yet, but he's still pummeling the guy's face on the floor. Yeah. Uh, so that I struggle with still because I kind of, you know, that's, that's, that's just innate within me. But what I love and what I absolutely admire is their technical gifts and ability and the athleticism that they, they show, the prowess that they show, the durability. I think lots of you talk about the durability and the relentless nature that they just keep coming. And that's incredibly admirable, isn't it? It's just bit bonkers really i mean just you know stay on the floor have a little rest <laughs> um well the, the the two most important things that we uh we always ask guests um and you may well have done this then um we we always ask fighters um guess what their fighter name would be did you have one when you boxed yeah i did i did steve steve bunce came up with with a much better one well not a much better one but a good one and he thought I should have been Ben What the Flock Shepherd, <laughs> uh, which I still think works very nicely. But I, I went with something a bit more close to my heart. So I was, um, I'm a West Ham fan, so it was, I was nice. the hammer. Nice. And, yeah. and what did you walk down to the ring to? 
So, and I took a long time over this as well, but I ended up walking down uh, to the Foo Fighters Pretender. Nice. Nice. And uh, do you know the words to Pretender? I, 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 look, I looked them up because I, I knew you'd ask me. And the chorus goes, what if I say I'm not like the others? What if I say I'm not just another? Uh, you're the Pretender. What if I say I'll never surrender? And that's the chorus. And I know, it just sort of, I was singing that over and over in my head as I was walking to the ring, and that sort of certainly got me in the You mood. should have come out to Too Shy um, by Kajagoogoo. That would have really fucked with his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. One of my mates did say, you've got to get a Lamar song in there, if there's any justice in the world, something like that. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an extraordinary experience. But I, I sort of, you know, at my, uh, I've still got the gloves from that fight. I've still got them at home and um, I still sort of, I've got a book of pictures from it as well. And I look on with a great deal of pride about what I did and uh, yeah, what that night was like. I bet that's amazing, mate. I, I, I'm slightly envious of you, to be honest. I kind of feel like that is what an incredible thing to have to have done, especially if you've been a fan of the sport for a long time and, you yeah. again, you take it so seriously in, in the training and work. Because that's the thing for me is I'm always desperate to get a... Uh, like an acting role where they're like, right guys, we're going to do like a six week boot camp for like, like as if you're doing like SAS training or, or come on guys, we're doing like a, uh, I don't know, some kind of uh, mixed martial arts movie and you've got to go and do, because th- to be honest, I, I got into a little bit, just a tiny bit of like kickboxing training because I did a, uh, a show that required me. It said in the brief, like I would need to have some martial arts training. So when I got it, having had no real martial arts training, I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to get on this then. And I went yeah. down to an MMA gym and I did a bit of kickboxing and all that. In the end, I did one front kick the whole shoot, and that was it. And I was like, mate, I could have probably done that anyway. But what it did do is kind of make this passion I had for the sport as a fan a kind of tangible thing to actually train in and do. And, and after I did that project, I did keep it going for a while. And But, you know, I suppose... It gives you a much better insight, doesn't it? Because oh, suddenly massively. you've got to... You know, because we can sit on the sidelines and say, oh, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? That's rubbish. He's too slow. She's not doing this properly or whatever. But until you get in the ring and you get a sense of, of just how strategic any sort of combat sport is, you're looking for that opening. You get a much better understanding of, of the strategy involved and much more respect for the skill of those people. It's, you know, as much as we all say, yeah, you just want them there trading blows and stuff. You get those fights every now and again. The ones that I sort of really love watching are, watching a fighter, whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, whatever, slowly breaking down the opposition, finding the way to, to mm. score the points they need to and then finishing the fight. And I just think that that's, that innate skill is something that I have a much better understanding and also the fitness as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get fit enough for it either. And that's mental. Well, um, one of the things you've, you know, we, we've referenced boxing a lot through, through this chat and, <clears throat> and how boxers sometimes move into MMA. So... We're coming off the back of a weekend which Blake really has no interest in talking about YouTubers fighting. Oh, why are you bringing this up? (laughs) What I'm I'm interested in is off the back of that, we saw what what appeared to be quite a troubled Oscar De La Hoya um, saying that he's making a comeback um, Mm. uh, over the weekend. And, And what we're seeing is lots of mixed martial artists or retired mixed martial artists um, fighting retired boxers. We're also seeing Mike Tyson come back and fight, Roy Jones Jr. Um, I just wonder what your thoughts are on this new kind of hybrid of these 
big money events. Well, not so much the YouTubers, but I guess a lot of the UFC fighters are now seeing money in that. So they're they're all calling out this fella that fought at the weekend, and then obviously the the, the Oscar De La Hoya thing, which was which was which was quite uh, not very nice to see. Um, you know, for 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 such an icon. Um, you know, yeah. why are they, what's drawing these people back to fight? Is it just money? And if it is, is that enough of a reason for them fights to happen? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I know. I think, I think what's drawing them back is the the glory in the moment, and the adrenaline. I'd experienced it in the most brief um, moment, and it was extraordinary. It was one of the most adrenaline fueled, visceral experiences of my life. If that's your career. And then suddenly you have to turn it off. You can see why so many of these strike, uh, so many of these fighters, and so many sportsmen struggle massively because they lose a huge part of their life. And so I, I totally understand why they would want to try and get that back. They would try and relive that moment. They would try and get back to that glory because there is nothing like it. I mean, it really is remarkable. And if you've been hailed as a hero by tens of thousands of people and made a good living out of it as well, regardless of putting yourself on the line physically. It's incredibly seductive, the idea of doing that one last time. You know, I I sort of, I watched the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight and was a bit sort of like, oh, what's it going to be like? I don't want to see these icons fighting in a way that wasn't impressive. And actually, if you take away the fact, you think about how old they are now and what they were doing, it wasn't oh, too great. bad in the end. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, they've, they've got themselves really fit for this. I've seen worse, you know, fights that have been professional bouts where somebody is fighting someone who is nowhere near their standard. And that, that I struggle far more with. But I totally understand why they would want to do it. I worry because, um, you know, you just wonder if you're going back into the ring, how much are you compromising physically by having to do that? But the idea of trying to recapture that moment, that moment of glory and that moment to sort of, you know, put yourself on the line, um, you know, why do I, me and Lee and Blake's a lot younger than us, but why do we keep going back to soccer aid each year? You know, for the and that's in a very relatively safe environment. I know. Well, Lee just wants really to up. finally score a penalty, doesn't he? <laughs> Lee. Lee's desperate to finally score a penalty. I think Lee, if, if Lee could pass to one of his own teams, that would be a start. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 it is. It, I think what it, it it you were trying to capture that something, that essence of something that we've lost. I mean, and I I totally get it. Um, and there's a market for it as well. And these people have always traded on their profile and who they are. Um, if the market wasn't there, they wouldn't be getting these opportunities. I think it has to it has to come down to can they be sanctioned safely and allowed to do it? And are they willing to put themselves in that sort of situation? It's not necessarily my bag. I'd still rather remember them as the icons that they were fighting, you know, incredible world title fights or or whatever fights. Um but I'm always interested to know and see it. I don't know if you've seen the Frank Bruno documentary actually on Sky. And it's fascinating sort of listening to Mike Tyson talk about how many demons he has. And he has far more demons out of the ring than in the ring. And it's essentially when he's in the ring, that's when the demons go away, even now to this day. But one of the things that you touched on earlier, um, when you said that, you know, your vision was on point and you was, you know, you you was in that moment. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I'll, I often say, like, when I spar is the only time that I don't have any stress. Because oh, it sounds stupid because there's someone trying to punch me, but it's because you're so in that moment 
that you can't yeah. worry about. Oh God, did I get that bit of work done? Or did I? And it's like you just in that moment, and I think there's something beautiful it's about so that. Present. And as soon as you aren't, you get caught, you get yeah. covered, and it, you know, it hurts. Uh, everything's got to be ready. You've got to be able to defend yourself. You've got to be looking for an opening. You've got to be able to breathe. You've got to be able to cope with the barrage that's going to come your way. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it's, it's very addictive as well, isn't it? That that part yeah. of it, um, and getting better at it is addictive. Yeah. You know, if you if you have a fight with someone and you win, like a spar with someone, and you and you clearly win, that's that's addictive. I think it's always good to be testing yourself against people that are better just to sort of remind you that you know what you're not quite as good as you think yeah, you are. My, my mind still thinks i'm incredible but my 47 year old yes. body reminds me quite <laughs> regular that i'm not <laughs> i think it's really easy to get those kind of deluded moments because i mean i i haven't hit pads since the pandemic started really so over a year now and uh, i haven't rolled for way more than that and I still have moments where I'm hitting the bag after watching a good fight going, oh, I could, I could do a little spar. I, I, could, I could have a little... I, I, I'd be all right. I, I'd, I'd be yeah. fine, right? And uh, no, yeah. Blake, you, you <laughs> moron. You will get <laughs> fucked up really badly. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, I, I still play five aside on a Thursday night under the delusion that I will be able to walk the next... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market day and I really can't and each week I wake up on a Friday morning and I work very early on Friday morning and I've usually got into bed by 10 o'clock had a lovely run around don't get me wrong it's not it's not competitive it's good fun this Friday side and I wake up on that and I you know I can I really struggle to get my socks on because my body needs to warm up and yet I'll still be back there next Thursday sort of going right come on this is this is the week it's going to be amazing this week and Friday morning will come around and go, oh, why did I do that last <laughs> night and it's amazing, isn't it? Time heals everything. And, and, and as soon as you get to week, the following week, it's like, right, this week, I'm going to really be like Ronaldo. It's, it's all going to happen this week. It's all going to come together. <laughs> well, when you... I'm, not, I'm like the fat Ronaldo from Brazil. <laughs> he was good still. Still, I think yeah, that's was, all right, yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you could get the special haircut where you just leave the front quiff and shave the rest yeah. of it. That'd be, that'd be a good look that's for... That's the only thing I can do now. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to mention to you, Ben. It's, it's, it, we never really talk about other sports, other than obviously we, we dip into boxing every now and then because it's a combat sport. But we've had some interesting news today, and I don't know when this is going to go out, but all about that. And I know you're a huge football fan, uh, and, and you obviously were um, uh, goals on Sunday and all that kind of stuff as well. And obviously today they've announced this whole European Super League thing. Uh, I don't know a huge amount about it, other than there's uh, about five British clubs that are, or English clubs that are are involved Six, along, yeah. along with other big, you know, AC Milan's, Real Madrid's, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona and all of that. Do, do you have any thoughts on this European Super League and whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, it's definitely, well, it's a good idea for those clubs from a business perspective. I mean, it's guaranteed hundreds of millions of income at the detriment to the domestic football game, really. I think it's... It, it sort of it genuinely is taking sports to the point where 
it is purely business now, it's purely money. Whereas I think we like to think, and we'd like to think that the way football is structured, particularly in this country, it is about the fans and it is the heart of the country. It's the biggest sport in the world, it's the biggest sport in this country. And it feels like these clubs have got together and all they're thinking about is how they can look after themselves. They're not thinking about the football pyramid. They're not thinking about all the clubs, few divisions below that get money because it feeds down through. They're literally going, right, we're all right. We're going to go off. We're going to do this over here. And the rest of you can do what you like because we're just going to make super matches, big, giant European matches every week. Um, and it's heartbreaking. I think sort of lots of my... I mean, you know, I'm a West Ham fan, so West Ham are suddenly fourth in the Premier League, we're suddenly having an amazing season. Leicester, again, having a really good season. You know, two of the clubs that are in, aren't actually in the top six at the moment, and they would go to this league, and you kind of feel like um, it's a, it seems like a very American model, yeah. you know, a bit like a franchise, no relegation, no promotion, everybody's protected. Um, it, it feels like it would just you just get home fans at each game because... Why would you travel towards the end of the season if there's nothing on the line to go to Atletico Madrid if you're a Chelsea fan? I mean, you want to go and see them, but, you know, if you're going every week and there's nothing in it, it's not like a big Champions League night. Think about how exciting those European Cup nights are if you're lucky enough to be in them. Um, I, think it's, I think it's really dangerous. It's a really dangerous precedent that they can set. I think the fact that the government's reacting and everybody is up in arms about it, they understand. And more importantly as well, you know, we're just going through a pandemic where clubs and fans are desperate to get their back get back to be in the stands people have been furloughed staff members have lost their jobs and to make a big move like this that is just about protecting themselves from a business perspective in such a sort of excessively greedy way just really jars yeah it really, really jars with sort of the essence of what football is. And football has always been very much a working class sport. I mean, obviously that's changed as the money's come into it. And we've all enjoyed the sort of the, the global scale of it from a business perspective and everybody has benefited. Um, but there's part of that that is lost by this. The soul gets ripped out when it ends up becoming this European Super League. Yeah. Um, you know, who knows whether it will eventually happen. But I think that the clubs may have underestimated how the fans will feel about it because my friends that are Spurs fans or Chelsea fans or City fans who adore their club. It wasn't that long ago that Manchester City were Absolutely. in League One, you know, and then they suddenly got the benefit of being bought by um, this family that had a lot of money. And, you know, I saw uh, a tweet from a very good friend of mine that's a big City fan, and he said, yeah, I've gone from absolutely adoring my club, they could do nothing wrong, to really questioning why they would do this. You know, there's... There, it, they are, I think they've underestimated the, the feeling that the fans will have. And someone mentioned that, I think it was a couple of seasons ago, Liverpool raised the, raised the season ticket price. And at a certain point during one of the home games, all the fans walked out. And as soon as they did that, they changed the season ticket price. I think I might be right by saying this. And that was the power that they had. The club reacted to what the fans had done. And I think that they need to be very careful about understanding how the fans feel about this, particularly now. It's just really distasteful during the pandemic. Yeah, well, there's, this looks like there's a UEFA are getting involved now. I've just seen something flash up on my phone a little while ago from The Independent saying that a UEFA member has claimed that Chelsea, Real Madrid and Manchester City are going to be kicked out of the Champions League. I don't know 
whether that's actually going to happen. It's a, what a UEFA member has actually stated. I don't know why those three clubs have been picked out in particular or if others will be added well, on top of so it. Well, they they're the three. So the semi-final is PSG, Real Madrid, Chelsea and, say, Liverpool, Chelsea, no, Man City. They're, man, they're the, that's the semi-final of the Champions League. The only one of those teams in the semi-final that isn't a part of this European Super League is PSG. So the other three are part of this breakaway league. So that's why they'll have said, you know, if they're going to do it, there's going to be sanctions. And that's the thing. Lots of people calling for points deductions in the Premier League. Maybe they get thrown out of the Champions League. Um, they, but they need to come. It feels like they need to sort of make a serious statement. The, the governing bodies, politicians, all those people need to make a serious statement because it's been, it's been hanging around this for a long time. People have been talking about it. Mm. But PSG didn't go for it. None of the German clubs go for it because the German clubs, I think, are still 51% owned by the fans. Yep. So the governance is different. So you've just got Spanish clubs, a few British clubs, English clubs, and the Italian clubs. Um, yeah, just, I don't, yeah. I, but it's guaranteed income. You know, they're, they're businesses. They're run by CEOs. They're not run by fans. So. And you say American model, and, you know, we've got a lot of American owners now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. And, 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 and all they're looking at is the bottom line. Uh, and if they get more money, then they can get better players. They get better players, then the profile of the club goes up globally. But um, what a, to the detriment of, of the fan base in their home country, I don't know. There you go. Well, the only possible outcome will be some of these, 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 these incredible footballers are going to end up calling out Jake Paul and, uh, and they'll be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll all be settled in a scrap. <laughs> That's how they'll do it. Settle it in the octagon. Oh, Ronaldo versus Jake Paul. I put my money on Ronaldo. We will boot him into next week. Oh, wonderful. Ben, thanks so much for your time today, mate. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and being a guest and talking. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Stuart, it's nice to meet you. Thanks very much, Ben. Blake, lovely to see you as ever, my friend. Cheers, mate. Yeah, you too. It's been a blast. Thanks, man. Thanks, Ben. Top stuff. Cheers, boys. There you go. Ben Shepard. What an absolutely delightful man. Yeah, that was brilliant. I love Ben. Such a nice guy. One thing we didn't mention, I think he's the only ever person to get sent off during a soccer aid game. So he likes a bit of violence, does Ben? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, lovely, lovely chatting with him. It was great to hear that he enjoyed it. Great to hear that he watched it with his, his sons as well and mm. that they were really into it. Um, so yeah, so we've got another fighter from our fight or flight tests that we've done yeah. a few of now. And, uh, it was and an great. actual fighter. And an actual it. fighter. I mean, yeah. that's amazing that he's actually stepped in the boxing ring and done it. I mean, uh, people have heard my thoughts on the whole Jake Paul nonsense. But I think if you're doing something for charity and you're stepping in there with someone of your level, yeah. then that that is great. You know, raise money for charity. Do that. I know that there's a bunch of, um, uh, what do they call it? Like white collar or blue collar? Yeah, white collar. Yeah, so and they're raising money for charity. I'm all for that. That is brilliant. Fight someone at your level for charity. Brilliant. Just don't go calling yourself a fighter and calling out real fighters because it looks ridiculous. But let's move on from that. Very happy to have had Ben on the show. I think he, he was a fantastic laugh. And nice to, to throw, uh, throw in that little bit about the European Super League there as well because... Um, you know, it's it's quite big news when we're recording it. I don't know when this episode's going to be out, when you'll be listening to it. Maybe it's been a few weeks and uh, that's all been resolved and sorted. But uh, it was such big news. And I, I know Ben is a huge 
football fan has presented some big football shows as well. So I thought I'd get that in there, but we won't be making a habit of talking about non-MMA based sports on this show. It was just something that seemed very poignant at the time. I think one of the other, I mean, just to touch on that quickly as well, one of the, the, the things that surprised me most about this chat was the fact that Obviously, you know Ben um, through Soccer Aid. The then conversation towards the end turned on to football, yet no mention of your penalty. So that was probably the first episode where we've not actually touched on that, which was, uh, which was well, delightful. We can, we can go over it now if you want, mate. I mean, I can take you for it blow by blow. Should we do an episode that's just the Blake Harrison penalty? What he felt like stepping up, how he felt when he had to kick that ball, the elation afterwards. Oh, God. There we go. But I do think that, that what we're seeing time and time again on these fight or flights is that that kind of crossover of that instant comparison to boxing. You know, it's yeah. just like, well, I love my boxing, but I've, you know, and I've dabbled in watching a bit of MMA. And I think mm. that is, you know, and I find it really interesting because that was my route in, but it wasn't yours. So I, I find that's, that's quite interesting. Yes. You know, it was, a, you know, a lot of people as well, of kind of sort of get into it through through wrestling and and, yeah. and watching like the WWF. I know Pip's a huge wrestling fan, and when we spoke to him, I know that he's, he's still he's a you know a, a big wrestling fan. But I, when I look at especially after sort of going to a, a UFC event, and for someone that's been to lots of big boxing events, they're they're, they're always all right. You know, I've seen big fights at the O2, but then I've also been to UFC at the O2. And not that I've ever been to a wrestling event, but it feels to me that UFC's kind of production approach to events and the way that it's put together definitely draws from wrestling as well. There's there's something really fun and exciting and it, it just has got lots of sort of pizzazz, for want of a bad word, to describe it, whereas boxing just still feels... It hasn't got that about it when you go and watch a, a boxing event. Most people at boxing fights turn up for the, the main main fight. Don't even bother for the, yeah. the, the undercard. Whereas UFC, you know, most people are there for at least, you know, minimum the main card, you know, so they're there for five fights. And I like that. It feels like more of an event, you know, and, and it also feels like it's not a, a kind of thing where like, it's just like, right, we're going to go out on the piss and then we're going to go and watch you know, Frosh versus Kessler or whatever. It's like, right, well, we'll go there, we'll have something, we'll have a couple of drinks and then let's go and get stuck in and watch the whole card. And like, and yeah. I find that is very, is more what I imagine a, a wrestling kind of production to be about. A little bit more family-based, a little bit more, I guess, I've got to be careful how I say this, but a little bit less testosterone. And it, it feels like martial artists... Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I find that going to UFC events feels a lot less intimidating sometimes than going to boxing events. You know, I've seen, I've been to lots of boxing events where there's been trouble in the crowds and things like that, where people have like been there supporting. These smaller shows supporting fighters that are fighting, and it's 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 got ugly in the, you know, in in the arena and things like that. Whereas UFC just doesn't feel like that for me. It feels like a, you know a much more kind of welcoming and and safer environment to to just sit and enjoy watching, you know, some great fights. Do you know what? Do you know where I'm trying to go with this, Blake? Maybe, but what I would wonder is where are you sat 
for all of those things because that could be a thing because i'd imagine that you know you're hanging on pip's coattails and you know <laughs> getting really these was. getting these freebies <laughs> where he just sat cage side and you're like oh isn't it so lovely everyone's just so marvelous here oh they're wearing their top hats and monocles sitting cage side at the fights and then with the boxing you've probably just like gone with one of your random mates and you're sat up in the god somewhere and it's all kicking off because everyone's, everyone's doing blow in the toilets or something and going mad. When I did see Frosch Gensler, I was on the back row. <laughs> there you go. So that's watch what it, it is. Watch it on a screen, just sitting next to blokes going, well, what he, like, massive fucking 50-year-old fat blokes going, what he needs to do now. If he hit him, like, I know you just think, oh, <laughs> shut up, mate. And like, I did not come here for your commentary. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, no. you're probably exactly right. Yeah, every UFC event I have blagged in with Pip and, uh, and yeah, well, had very nice seats. Well, I, 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 the only boxing event I went to live was Hay versus someone I can't even remember. I took uh, my dad and my brother for, uh, I think it was my dad's birthday or something. And my dad used to box in the army and stuff. So he's, he's a big boxing fan and he always liked watching boxing when we were kids and we'd watch a little bit of it or whatever. But... Um, he uh, like we were sat i think quite far back for that i think it might have been like maybe hayes first heavyweight fight or something like that. after he was at cruiserweight he moved up to heavyweight for like, a couple of lower level guys to build up towards his title fights and that and uh i, I can tell you now i remember nothing about it i remember mm. nothing about it but you say to me gustafson manoa or mm. till masvidal or uh, you know, uh, any of the other ones I've been to, even some Bammer events where mm. like, I didn't know the fighters, but I remember a couple of things about it and mm. enjoying it. But the majority of those, I was sat in much better seats. Yeah. I so, oh, Bisping Silver was my favorite one. I was at Bisping right. Silver as well, which was incredible. But um, those fights, I, I, like, I remember it. And I was sat there to watch the whole thing. Um, rather than just turn up for the main event. And people do still just turn up for like the, the last couple of fights, but I, I wonder if it is less. But I haven't, I haven't got enough experience of being kind of ringside or, or, or watching mm. boxing fights live uh, yeah. as much as I do MMA fights where I, I will park myself there for the first prelim yeah. and then just, just watch the entire card and I'm timing my loo breaks a la yep. John Gooden <laughs> running, running through everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and I just, yeah, I, I love it. But I can't, I can't compare it to boxing enough because I've not had enough experience of that. And I'm not as interested in it. Yeah, yeah. I'll I tell you one thing that I always wish they'd put on the TV side of UFC. And you can watch it on YouTube if you've never been to a, a UFC event and watched it. But... In between the prelims and the main card, they shut the lights down in the arena and you hear... And then the Who track plays um, uh, Barbara O'Reilly. And then literally this montage of like every UFC hero like walking out to the octagon to that huge sounding like um, Who record. And then you've just got loads of Rogan talking over the top of it. It's so well put together. And it's that bow, bow, bow. And then as soon as the drums come in, come in, you'll just see like more than likely Connor drop Aldo. And you'll just hear this like Rogan going, wow. And it's like, and then it's just highlight knockout, highlight knockout for like the duration of this song. And all of the screens around the arena are playing it. I've got goosebumps literally talking about it. And they don't put it on the telly. And I just think, 
it's so good. It fires you up. Do you know? Have you seen it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I can't really remember it. No, I mean, it, I, I probably have seen it multiple times, but I, I can't. I can't really remember it. <laughs> I'm probably there with my brother, just like tweeting or looking around or going, "This is a good time to go to the toilet." <laughs> right, I'm going to send it to you when we're done because it's so good. It's like imagine getting a Rocky training montage and just pumping it full of steroids and caffeine and just making it bigger and huger and more absolutely yeah it just sets you on fire so i'm going to send it over to you and yeah listeners if you've not seen it go on youtube and just put um barbara o'reilly the who ufc because it will blow your socks off this they update it every once in a while the first one you just see connor in the tunnel just ready to come out then you just see ronda with her fight face on ready to come out and then it's just and then you say who always sprints to the arena uh um, Cormier, then you just see DC running and it's like, oh, so good. I can't believe you don't remember it, Blake. <sighs> Unbelievable. All right, well, look, I guess we've witted on, uh, well, I've just witted on for about five minutes about uh, yeah. UFC production. You, you really have, yeah. <laughs> what you what can't see is Blake's doing the TV thing of just like wind it up. Come on, mate. <laughs> if, if he had a little soundtrack like a, a, an awards thing, he'd just be fading it in there. It'd just shut me up. But we have um, glitter. That, 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 that song has been going on for the last like 10 minutes. That's a very good point, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, look, we're back next time. Um, like we said, I don't think we're 100% sure what day we're going to put this one out yet, so we can't really tell you what's what's next. But what we can tell you is what episodes you've missed out on if this was your first time listening. So um, who we had on so far, Blake? Oh, my God. We've had on Arnold Allen, Nathaniel Woods, Molly McCann, uh, Brad Pickett, and then we've had uh, a, a lovely chat with Brian Lacey and Scroobius Pip recently looking forward to uh, 261. That's that's probably long gone by now, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> that's old news, that. Um, and then there was uh, Emily Head, Laura Checkley, Lee Mack... John Gooden. Oh, have I missed anyone out? I hope I haven't missed anyone out. Paddy the Baddy. Paddy the Baddy! How can I miss that Paddy? <laughs> oh, I didn't miss you out, Paddy. I was saving you for the end, babe. The big crescendo. Um, uh, yeah, so we've had some some great ones that you can check out. A lot of those interviews are relatively timeless as well because we on this show don't speak uh, overly about upcoming fights or fights that have just gone. We like to really get into the mindset of these fighters, discuss how they are with weight cuts, their their kind of mentality, their mental toughness, any any kind of problems they've had in their life that have, have, have led to them them needing to kind of really dig deep into get their mental strength going. It's stories that hopefully will inspire you as, as listeners as well. Um, and so, yeah, so those those interviews, if you're looking at something, you go, oh, that interview was uh, two months ago or whatever. It's still can be a great listen because it's not about something that happened two months ago. It's about them, their career as a fighter and how they uh, get through the tough times and all that kind of stuff. So check those out as well. Absolutely. And to ensure that you don't miss anything moving forward, the best thing you can do is subscribe. Um, Subscribe on whatever platform um, you listen to your podcasts on. We're on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So give us a, a follow over there. Um, drop us a message. Let us know if there's any fighters you'd love to hear us talk to, any celebrities you'd like to hear us um, do fight or flight episodes with. Um, and yeah, any kind of feedback and, and, and chit-chat is more than welcome. Drop us a message on the socials. Um, like I say, subscribe, and uh, we'll be back soon, right? We will. 
Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Is that your phone going off?